This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Center ice, it's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly, dishes off. What time? To the 30, 20, 10, 5. Score! Touchdown, Eskimos! No, I understand what you're saying, Hillary, but I can't put you on the show. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with well, Reed Wilkins. Hillary, listen. I'm the voice of your Edmonton I'm, Oilers and Eskimos. I'm, be, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already live, Hillary. I can't, I can't talk to you right now. I know you want to reach as many people as possible, but this is a talk show about sports in Edmonton. Hillary, I'm sorry. Hillary, I'm hanging up. Hillary, I'm hanging up. Hillary, I'm hanging up. Okay. Sorry about that. Just somebody wanted to get in on the show here. I'm not sure what that was all about. How are you doing tonight? This will be a Hillary and Donald free zone. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet at 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. Monday night football from Seattle. We'll keep you updated on that scoreboard with the Seahawks hosting the Bills in the NHL tonight. We have the Sabres and Bruins scoreless early in the second period. Canucks. And Islanders 1-1 early in period two. And the Panthers have a 1-0 edge on the Lightning with five minutes left in the first period. Three games in the NHL this evening. I would love to hear from you if you are inclined to speak to me. 780-496-0063 is the open line number. You can also text 630-630. And it was a very good weekend for the two clubs whose games we broadcast right on this very station. The Edmonton Eskimos in a game that obviously didn't affect their their playoffs positioning, but they did go out there and do what you should do against a uh, bad and disinterested team. They pounded the Toronto Argos with James Franklin throwing for four touchdown passes, and Morley Scott has the Eskimos show coming up from 8-9 to nine tonight. The Edmonton Oilers, back-to-back games. They went into the weekend winless in three, and they tough out a couple of wins, recovering from a poor start against the New York Islanders to win in a shootout and then taking down the Detroit Red Wings. Tavera has it for the Islanders. Long toss. Here's Tavares. Pugliotta's back defensively. Tavares makes a move to the net. Richard Camp Talbot made an unbelievable save. Latesta to win the game between circles. Richard score! Off the post and in! Latesta has provided the two points for the Edmonton Oilers who claim their first win at the home of the New York Islanders in nearly 17 years. Lucic in the high slot gets around Steve Ott. Fires wide. Rebound. Pitlick wraparound. Score! Tyler Pitlick has had the touch. And he takes the hop off the dashers and tucks it inside the far post. McDavid won the faceoff. Nugent Hopkins back to the point. Receives a pass from Clefbaum. Right circle. McDavid loads. Back door. Nugent Hopkins shoots and scores. Larson will have a chance to clear. Left side. Clefbaum. It's out of the zone. And the Edmonton Oilers have won it. Joe Lewis. 
Lewis Arena for the first time since December the 3rd, 2009. The Oilers had huge droughts on the road against both the Islanders and the Red Wings. They are able to end both of them, and they now sit at 9-3-1 on the young season. Good showdown coming up tomorrow night against the Pittsburgh and Penguins, who are 8-2-2 to start the year. Of course, the game is on 6-30, Chad, 3-30 face-off show. They'll drop the puck at 5. We'll be with you until 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Then we'll hand it over to Charles Adler for some coverage of the United States election. But... I mean, this is uh, this has turned into a pretty fun start to the season for the Oilers, winning nine of their first 13 games. Uh, I, I'm not going to call them a Stanley Cup contender by any means, but I, I think at this point it, it's hard to say that they are not a contender for a playoff spot to break the 10-year drought of not being in the postseason. They lead the Pacific Division uh, with the other teams not exactly lighting it up, and all you have to do is, is finish in the top three in your division to make the postseason. But, but when you look at some of the encouraging traits now that this team has, uh, I, I think that we're starting to see a team that is a lot more well-rounded, that is able to win games in more than one way, and that is able to deal with difficult circumstances a a lot better than teams in the past. Back-to-back games in recent years, you might hope to win one. They they swept a back-to-back early last season against Vancouver and Calgary when they were 0-4. They won their first two games in October. They beat Calgary on a Saturday night. Laurie Korpakoski scored in overtime the next night against the Vancouver Canucks. Um... The the Islanders, they fall behind 2-0. They were blitzed in that building last year. They're able to stick with it, come back and get the shootout victory with a bit of an unlikely... I know he has an over 40% uh, percentage or success rate in uh, in shootouts, but I, I didn't think Mark Letesti was going to be the third guy ahead of Connor McDavid, but he goes in there and makes the coaching staff look very smart. And then against the Detroit Red Wings, I, I, I mean... I don't know what you thought, but I'm watching that third period as as it went on and on and on. I'm like, D- Detroit's not getting a sniff here. Like, the Oilers are locking this game down. Now, is Detroit as good as the New York Rangers, where the Oilers couldn't lock it down against them? No, they aren't. But the Oilers are doing a better job here of beating poor and below-average teams. And then maybe against the good ones, we'll, we'll see how they do as they play more and more. And they're going to play another one uh, tomorrow when they play the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I never got the sense that Detroit was really threatening until, obviously, they pull the goalie. And sometimes it can get a little hairy. But even then, uh, it's not as if they got tons of scoring chances or were looking really dangerous with the goalie out. So it's it's a team with a lot more composure. It's a team that's taken care of the details a lot more. And, you know, it's interesting... Because a couple weeks ago, I went back and found this clip. This, this, I'm going to play this clip first because I remember playing this off the top of a show a couple of weeks ago and saying I was very encouraged by it, and I got some feedback from you guys after that. So I'm, I'm going to play this clip from October 27th, and then I'm going to play another Todd McClellan clip from after the game last night, which I think is another pretty encouraging comment by the coach. But here's the one from a couple of weeks ago. The accountability part and expectation part um, 
you know, the, the players are doing a good job. Last year I, I talked about establishing boundaries. Right now the players are in control of their boundaries. They they hold each other accountable on the bench. They want to, when a shot's blocked, they reward each other. When somebody catches somebody from behind and strips a puck like we did a lot of yesterday, they, they recognize that and they... Uh, they're paying attention to the, the details that it takes to win, and they reward each other on the bench with it. When it doesn't occur, there's a little tap, and hey, let's get this going. You, you can be better in that area. And when they take over the team and they start controlling the boundaries, it becomes more powerful. All right, so that was from the day after the Oilers beat the Washington Capitals 4-1. At that point, they had won four games in a row. They would shut out Vancouver the next day and then have their winning streak snapped against the Ottawa Senators. But he talked there a lot about accountability, about expectations, about the players sort of, you know, I'll use the word policing each other if you want to call that, but the players looking out for each other and it doesn't have to be the coach all the time reminding a guy, saying, oh, what about this, what about this? And he, he, he mentioned verbal and physical cues. It doesn't always have to be something that happens on the bench. It's that you see the three guys, you know, you see, or you see the other four guys out on the shift with you all work really hard in puck battles, even if they don't win all of them. Well, you don't want to be the guy that lets down the team and who doesn't put everything you have into your puck battle when the puck comes your way. So here's McClellan yesterday after the win over Detroit and you can tell me what you think but I think this is another very encouraging comment. Tonight was a gratifying win for everybody in our organization because I thought it took the whole team. It wasn't uh, on one or two people's backs. It was everybody finding a way to contribute, following a game plan, um, sticking with it and um, when we needed to manage the game fairly well because of circumstances back-to-back, injuries, that type of stuff. Uh, we did a good job of it. Happy for Gus uh, getting his first win. And uh, he made some real big saves for us when we needed them. And the rest of the group pulled on the rope. So McClellan commenting there on this being a team win. And what's encouraging about this, I mean, this is this is a franchise that obviously has had four, overall, four first overall draft picks. Back in 10 and 11, they finished last overall two years in a row. They drafted Taylor Hall. They drafted Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And I think there was a lot of, great, we got these two young guys. Go do it, guys. Just go do it. Lead the way. You know, you're high draft picks. You must be really good. So just just go win. How can we lose? Now, Connor McDavid is more of a talent than anybody else. The Oilers have taken first overall. But I also think this is a testament to how the team is constructed around him. Because, sure, McDavid has definitely shone at times this season. He's definitely been the star in a couple of victories. It's not all him winning these games he's not getting all the points he's not getting all the goals and there are certainly a lot of guys contributing in the checking department and then that gets back to what happened in the third period last night against Detroit an Oilers team much more committed to what are some of the things McClellan have said play over top of the puck play like a bully play inside the other team's equipment all those types of things that I think he harped on last year I think are now being executed more regularly, and that's encouraging. You can text 63630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You'll hear a little bit from Sidney Crosby as we move along as well. Oilers play-by-play voice Jack Michael slated to join us too. It's 616 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Your home 
for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. It is 6.21. We've got an Oilers game on tomorrow. We have an Oilers game Friday night. Sunday is going to be great on 6.30. Chet, a doubleheader. We have the Eskimos and the Tiger Cats Eastern semifinal in the morning. Coverage will start at 9.30, kickoff at 11. And then in the evening, we have the Oilers and the Rangers from Rogers Place on uh, Sunday night as the Oilers will try to avenge one of their three regulation losses for this season. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Got a text here from DJ who says, Hey, Reed, how many games did it take for the Oilers to get to 19 points last season? Well, they beat Boston on December 2nd to get their 19th and 20th points of the year to get to 9-15-2. and two. It took 26 games for the Oilers to get to 19 points last year. So this year it takes 13. So they cut it exactly in half. Obviously a big difference. Armswar says, uh, I saw the Latestu thing as well, was upset about it for a second, but then I realized Latestu led the team in shorthanded goals, all breakaway goals too, so it made sense, LOL. That is from Armswar. I was I was a little surprised. I, I, look, I would have Mark in my top five in the shootout because he can shoot the puck, and he has he has some good moves. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, he was an uh, incredible finisher at a at a level of hockey that guys don't usually make the NHL out of. But he played in the AJHL. He actually he then went to the NCAA. He went to Western Michigan after he finished in Bonneville. He led the entire NCAA in shorthanded goals, by the way. In his one year he played with uh, Western Michigan, he had five shorthanded goals. I mean, I was thinking Eberle, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins as my three guys in the shootout. But again, the Testu's percentage over 40 for his career. Now, if it would have been, if it would have been Eberle, McDavid, Latestu, I wouldn't have been as as shocked if he would have jumped ahead of Nugent Hopkins. And the, and the reason I put McDavid up there is just because he, I mean he scored he has not scored on a shootout in his two NHL attempts. He did score on a penalty shot in the season opener against Brian Elliott. And I just think he's so fast and he has so many moves. Right? How can you how can you go against him? Because he just might come up with something. Might come up with something that's going to lead to a goal. But the decision worked out. Mike says, biggest difference so far is that the Oilers are beating teams they should beat. In the past, they would play okay against good teams and then pull no-shows against the poor ones. That is from Mike at Texas 630-630. Well, here's the thing. The New York Islanders are struggling. We'll see how they do tonight against the Canucks. They're now leading 2-1 halfway through the game. The Detroit Red Wings uh, in the middle of a losing streak as well. But, yeah, I mean, if, 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 you, if you have an advantage then take advantage. And how many times in the past has we thought, okay, here's a homestand where maybe the Oilers can do okay. Oh, here they're playing a tired team. Here they're playing another lousy team. And what would they do? They would often wind up and still go loose. I mean, they're just a more thorough, committed, and detailed team. 
West End Ron says, hey, Reed, I love the defense of the Oilers. There's no more extended fire drills in the defensive zone. That's a huge improvement. No more Schultz. <laughs> that is from West End Ron. Well, we're not going to blame Justin Schultz for all the difficulties the Oilers had last year. But uh, certainly, uh, again, I, I think it's I think it's personnel. I think it's coach, coaching. And obviously it's goaltending as well because they've been getting the stops. We haven't debated any goals I mean, well, well and, the, and the bad one Talbot let in against Buffalo, you couldn't even debate. He let in a shot from center. We haven't been debating any Oilers' goals ever since they lost to Buffalo, right? Usually if Talbot gets beat, it was a clean chance. Guy was open, made a good shot, whatever. Gustafson yesterday gives up a power play goal. So the goaltending has been a big part of it too. But when, he comes, when it comes to the defense... Clefbaum's coming along. I, I think Larson has come at adver- as advertised. Like Shirelli said, he's not a sexy player, but he can defend well positionally. He can skate well enough. He can move the puck well enough. And Larson just negates a lot of plays and then makes a responsible play with the puck. Sekera's doing his thing. He can be a little lower in the lineup. And quite frankly, Darnell Nurse is coming along. And I was shocked early in the season. We did an inside sports where a lot of people wanted Darnell Nurse sent to the minors. And they're and he's he's coming along. He's looking very comfortable. We'll get to some more text to 630-630 as we roll along. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. The Monday night football game about to kick off in Seattle. Taking on the Buffalo Bills. They just threw up a stat. Seattle with the best winning percentage all time on Monday Night Football with a record of 22-8. They're 4-2-1 on the season. The Bills coming in at 4-4. Don't forget, 8 o'clock tomorrow night at Rogers Place. Team WHL taking on Russia in the Canada or in the uh, Canada-Russia series, WHL, OHL, QMJHL, all getting two games each against the Russians. They start tonight in Prince George. Doesn't start till 8 o'clock, though, so we won't have any updates during Inside Sports. We're back after the news. This is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. By the way, the Winnipeg Jets signing defenseman Jacob Truba today. Two years, $6 million. He'd been uh, holding out. Wanted a trade. Las Vegas. The Las Vegas NHL team will get a name and a logo on November 22nd. I went back and looked. Apparently the names they copy is it copyrighted they they copy written they got a copyright on whatever desert knights golden knights and silver knights knights obviously all with a k uh the owner of the team likes the army black knights so there you go seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we'll get to bob on the phone line in 30 seconds quick text here from tony who says, hey, Reed, what did you think of the Dreisaitl, Lucic, and Pitlick line last game? I thought it was great. Tony goes on to say, heavy, hard. They got on the four-check, probably the best line in the game. Do you think it'll stay intact? Nice to see Pitlick succeed. Well, I thought that line had a great game. I'm glad to see Dreisaitl and Lucic together. Pitlick, 
uh, moving up there because of uh, injuries. Pugliarve and Cassian both out, so they had to move the right wingers around. The thing about Pitlick is he's playing with a ton of energy. He's, he's been able to score four goals in 13 games. I mean, who, who expected that? And he's using his speed. And, I mean, even yesterday, I mean, it's it's when you think about it, it's pretty hard to score on a wraparound in the NHL, the way he got to the puck off the end boards and was able to quickly tuck it in. Um, now, does that line stay intact once, you know, either Puglia-Yarvi or Cassian comes back? We'll see. I don't think any reason to break it up tomorrow. Uh, I don't think those guys will be playing tomorrow night. We have Bob on the line, 780-496-0063. Hey, Bob. Hey, Reed. Hey, go ahead. Yeah, I really like the line combinations, especially on the road, because uh, you know how the other teams key on McDavid's line, so you move Lucic down. I really love that line of Luke, Dreisaitl, and Pitlick. Yep. And then you got Nuge, and you can pretty much put whoever you want with him, but if Cassian and Bill Jarvie come back, like I'd like to see those three together even. And uh, But on the road, you got to have even even keel lines because they're going to key on one and then like dry sidles line gets a little easier go well that's a good point and and it's interesting what's happened with pitlick because i i think going into the season for me anyway there were a lot of question marks about the right wing and i want to specify here bob nail yakupov was not the answer even if he would have been here um, but you had Eberly, who's going to be on one of your top two lines and, and should be able to score fairly consistently. Uh, I mean, I know he's in, a, he's in a bit of a drought, but he's still the third-leading scorer on the team. You know, then you had Puglia Yarvi, who's a rookie. Then you had Cassian, who was probably going to be on the fourth line. And then you had Pekarinen, who got hurt. And so Pitlick has really changed what you're able to do on right wing because he was able to play more minutes last night and still be effective. The, any goal, any goals that Tyler Pitlick gets are probably going to be a bonus. Uh, I, I mean, he's been able to forecheck, he's been able to play hard on the puck, and he's been able to use his speed. Now, yesterday they had Mark Letestu playing right wing, which is not, I don't think, a sustainable scenario long term. But at least Pitlick, you know, and a couple of people have texted it about the depth. They've we've had unexpected guys contributing to the team, and Pitlick is probably number one on that list. I think Pitlick's very valuable right now. How versatile he can be, he can play anywhere. He can because he's got wheels. So anybody that can fly can, and he's got decent hands, so he can put him on any line, and he'll he'll succeed. I think. Well, and and you make a good point about where the game is going with the with the speed, right, and the stretch passes and all that kind of stuff. And he's been able to get to the puck, and, and then plus he's been able to get in there and dig as well, right? He's not just all speed. He's been playing. I mean, a lot of times when we talk about playing physical, I think people think about body checks or fighting or whatever. But I always go back to what McClellan said, and I referenced this in the first half hour of the show: get over top of the puck. Right, get inside the other guy's equipment. You don't have to knock him into row five, right? No, he's pretty smart. He stays on the right side of the puck most of the time. Like he doesn't, he doesn't seem to be on the wrong side very often. So that's what I mean. Like he's got speed, and he seems to have a good head on his shoulders as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, and he's battled injuries both uh, well throughout his career so far. Thanks for calling, Bob. Thanks, Reed. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Richard texting into six thirty six thirty says great win. 
There is hope every night for a win so far this season. Can't ask for any more than that. So sick of hearing how we haven't won in some of these eastern buildings in 15 to 20 years' time. It is time to erase the past. That is from Richard. Well, I like hearing that for, from, from Oilers fans. And, and I'll be honest with you. I want you as Oilers fans to be happy and have an interesting season. And I think Richard makes a good point. There's hope every night for a win so far this season. Look, if I if I look at tomorrow's game, yeah, I favor the Pittsburgh Penguins, quite frankly. The Pittsburgh Penguins should be the favorite going into that game. But I think you look at it and say, you know what? The Oilers should be able to do enough to hang around and, and maybe make enough plays and play responsible enough to win it. And the game against the Rangers last week, a perfect example. The New York Rangers should have been favored going into that game. And in the end, they played a little bit better than the Edmonton Oilers. They made fewer mistakes and they finished more chances the Oilers were also a minute 21 away from getting the game into overtime and getting at least a point and maybe two. We have Jason on line two. Hey, Jason. Hey. I can't help but concur with everything you just said. I mean, even the game that they lost with Elaine Vigneault as the coach, who I think is an outstanding coach, they were there with them step by step. Um, my question uh, falls along the lines of depth again. They've done a fantastic job uh, when they've lost uh, secondary characters like, uh, like Chris Russell and Davidson. Um, how do you think they would fare if, uh, like, like last year when we lost Clefbaum or, uh, or God help us, uh, you know, McDavid, you know, how do the line combinations shake up if, uh, if we lose? you know, one of our top-level characters. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that. that's, that's a good question. I mean, they they the, even though they have a lot of injuries, they have been a little bit fortunate in that they, ex- the Russell's a top-four defenseman, so he's gone down. And, I mean, they haven't lost anybody off the top two lines, though well, though Cassian was playing higher, higher in the lineup. But luckily, one of the centers hasn't gone down, and you haven't lost Clefbaum or Larson. So they're, they're fortunate there. I mean, I almost even hate to talk about this. I, I think if McDavid were to miss a game, I think Leon becomes your number one center. And it's a good question to ask because, I mean, we don't understand and ignore the fact that last year we were without McDavid and Clefbaum for significant chunks of time. So, Well, I think they would be better able to handle it on defense because I don't think, I don't think Russell's going to be out long-term. Bob referenced maybe he's even able to play Friday. So if, if you had Clefbaum, Larson, and Sekera... Nurse is looking like he could handle a few form, few more minutes. Davidson would maybe come back. You know, Griba can at least play responsible minutes. So I think they're better equipped to handle it on the back end. Um, that'd be my answer on, on the on the defense. If you lost a, if you lost Clefbaum or Larson up up front, I mean, you, you couldn't replace McDavid. I, I just think Leon would. I, I think Leon would become the top center if McDavid went out, and and Nugent Hopkins would would have to hopefully become a little more offensive than he has been. Yeah, because I just look at the Penguins, and you know, it seems like every time Crosby goes down for a significant period of time, um, Malkin and the rest of the team seem to fill in the void. Malkin seems to play better whenever Crosby's not on the ice, and I'm not sure if we have a Malkin in our team that. Well, no. Could help us. No, that's a pretty big luxury for <laughs> for the Penguins. You know the Penguins could have had Crosby, Malkin, and then Taves, right? But they drafted <laughs> Jordan Stahl instead of Taves. Well, then they'd, then they'd be in the Chicago Blackhawks situation right now. With <laughs> yeah. A lot of payroll on just a couple people. Yeah, but it's great. It's great. I mean, the injury bug has Britain the Oilers pretty hard. But a, a star player luckily hasn't been injured. 
and the guys who've been called on to fill in have been able to step in and, and do the job. So that's encouraging so far. Thanks, Jason. Thanks again. 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. We have Troy on the line as well. Troy, thanks for calling. Hi, Troy. Troy, we're going to get... Okay, yeah, we got you, Troy. Go ahead. It was Ron, but anyway... Oh, Ron, my apologies. Okay, I got Troy written down. My fault. Go Uh, ahead, Ron. Anyway, um, Edmonton Eskimo fan. I've been to five great cups. My dad took me to my first great cup 40 years ago. Okay. Um, Last year, I took my 10-year-old kid to the great cup. I had to do it because that's a lot... Played high school football with Blake Dermont. I love football. Eskimos have a problem attendance-wise. So does the CFL. I love the product. It's overpriced. What do you think? Uh, I don't know if the problem with attendance comes exclusively down to pricing. I think, unfortunately, there are there's a generation of fans coming up who don't have a huge emotional attachment to the CFL. That's true, but I mean, I look at right now, I'm 57 this year. Um, uh, Ten years ago, I took my daughter to her first grade cup, so, you know, I get the kids with we, you know, when you have a chance, you go, but game to game, we, we sit in an odd hole game. We went on Saturday, it's 90% empty. The tickets are $16, which is half the price of a regular ticket. So, I mean, to me, again, I you know, I took my two boys. I actually had uh, an autograph with um, with uh, Willie Plus, which was stunning. He was sitting right in front of us. But anyway, it's overpriced. But then you only can take, you cannot, I take my son. But I can't take my second son and get a second ticket at that price. If I if I right now I got a vehicle right now and I'm I want to take five kids to the game, we've got to pay full fare for it. Why can't each kid if you if you buy one adult ticket at forty bucks and I'm taking six kids to the game, it should be ten bucks a pop. They don't allow for that. Well, that's a that's a fair comment. I I didn't know what the exact pricing was. So right now uh, right now, you can take one kid with you, and he gets in. He he or she gets in for sixteen dollars. Is that what I understand? I I understand that, but I mean, we, no, I, I was just confirming that, that. I was just confirming that with you. I just want to make sure I got that right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, even when I they, I didn't the knot hole gang was something that we the last couple of years have been taking my sons. You, you buy a forty dollar ticket, second one's half price. That's still twenty bucks for a ten year old kid. You know, and I mean, you go in there, you buy a hot dog, you buy a pop, it's, it's 30, 40 bucks, I'd say. I mean, I love the Eskimos, I like the product, but I mean, in this economy or any economy for the last three or four years, you can't, $100 tickets for Eskimos. I took my son three years ago to a Michigan Wolverine game, under 14000 I know they don't play the, pay the athletes. It was 50 bucks. They sell out every game. So there's somewhere, somehow, there's, you're right, there is a generation. I'm 56, I'm taking my 10-year-old kid to a game. There's a 30-something generation of people that are just not there. And it, it, it's a crime because it's a great product. I mean, 
All right. But he, but here here just to play devil's advocate, Ron, and I and I I hear what you're saying, and I and I and I don't dispute the fact that I I, I the CFL needs to address the attendance, but if if a if a let's just pick a 27 year old Edmontonian is willing to pay two hundred and fifty dollars for an Oilers ticket, but he won't pay forty for an Eskimos ticket. How is pricing well, that's, the issue? That's, that's that's the problem there. I'm I, I live in town here. I'm involved with a swim club. You go into certain area uh, places and try to get money for spot hockey, hockey, hockey. You got to throw hockey out of the window. That is. We live and breathe hockey, right? We'll pay 300 400 doesn't really matter what it is, but when it comes to a game where you can go, like, I'm, I am the devil's advocate because I want to go, mm-hmm. but I only can take my kids. I always, go three, I always go to the Saskatchewan game so the kids can see the Green Rider fans out there. Uh, you go to the, the, the Calgary game. We went to this last game for one reason only, the lottery, the 50-50 ticket. Right. But it's one of those things that, there is, you know, a price point where, you know, the upper upper bowl that ain't twenty dollars for it's half empty, man. Doesn't matter what you say, price, not price, or whatever. Players are sold out every flipping game. Every game's televised. Different markets. I love the CFL. So does but your the problem is if at this present time there has been for the last ten years the lower bowl. Why does the BC Lions get outdrawn by the Vancouver Whitecaps? Whitecaps are phenomenal. We actually fly every year to watch the Whitecaps play and do a home opener with the with the kids to watch a Vancouver Whitecaps game. Montreal is going to have the impact. They're going to have a home game here against Toronto. Good chance they might send sell out the Olympic Stadium at sixty thousand. I don't think it'll happen. Yet. Ron, let, let me just it, ask you some. Let me ask you some quickly here, and I got a break right away. But does your you have a ten year old son? You said ten year old son and a six year old son. Do, do, do they do they look like they're going to become lifelong Eskimo fans like like you? Do they feel an emotional well, they, connection they, to the they team? They love it, man. I'm Good. serious. I mean, they, <laughs> hey kids, come here. I got a picture of Willie Plus. He's an effing legend. Willie, who? Well. I wasn't married when when Willie was around, but you know, no, they love it. I mean, they, they, Dad, when do we go another game? And you know, blah blah blah. And uh, the the schools do a great job. They go out to our schools, and the kids get autographs. And you know, Lacey went to one of the schools we went to. They love the game, and I'll take them. But when they hit eighteen or nineteen, are they going to pay forty bucks for a ticket? I don't know, man. Well, I, here's the thing. I, I don't think $40 is an unreasonable ticket price for the Canadian Football League. I, I Like, personally, I don't. Uh, but I, 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 if you, I, I respect your opinion if you disagree with me, Ron. Hey, I, good, good topic, though. i got to run. Thanks for calling, okay? Thanks. All right. Wally is going to be up next on the phone line. A couple more people want to chime in on this. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, just some text here to 630, 630. Paul says $40 is cheap. Uh, Michael says, I'd be a bit down if I lived in the States in a massive NFL, NBA, baseball, college sports market and nobody cared about the NHL. 
but if I lived in a different market, I wouldn't literally be super angry about it. I don't get what Ron expects here. Sorry that this is a hockey market. I bet the average CFL player wishes they made money they could live off like other big leagues too. Uh, This texter says the Eskimos are a little pricey, but the biggest problem is that it's hard to get to. Find a way to let me park and I'd be there all the time. Well, I mean, that's that's just a reluctance to use public transit. I mean, which I think this city has to wrap its head around here as it continues to mature. Um, Craig says, plain and simple, we're a hockey city. It is what it is. Runs in most people's blood. I'd rather watch the Oilers than the Eskimos. I'm 30. That's from Craig. And this texter says, I'm 21. I get chirped a lot by my friends for watching the CFL. It's not a price problem. It's a generation problem. They all watch NFL. CFL needs to step up and uh, market the game online. We have Wally on the phone lines. Wally, I got about a minute for you. Go ahead. Uh, Well, I agree about the pricing. Uh, As for the people willing to pay a lot more for Oilers, well, two things. One, 18,000 tickets versus 60,000 supply and demand. And also, like, I'm 40 years old. I'm not originally from here, but the NHL is the premier league for that sport. The CFL is not. It's the Children's Football League, you know. Um, The NFL uh, is what I watch. I grew up watching the CFL with my dad, but as an adult, I've moved over to the NFL. I, I don't know what it is. I just cannot sit through a game, whether on TV and watch it, but I'll sit on Sunday all day and watch the NFL just because it's it's a, it's a different game but it's just it's a, uh, a superior product in my opinion but part of the reason like you said the people my generation and younger with the advent of the TV and 500 channels we can see 15 games every week on the NFL and like I said that's the best and the CFL whether you agree or not gets the runoffs Thanks, Wally. We also have Bacon Man on the line. Hey, Bacon Man. Hey, how many minutes do you have for me? Uh, I got a minute and ten seconds. Oh, okay. Well, I'm 36 years old. I have a 12 year old daughter. I have an 18 year old boy. I grew up uh, going to the CFL games, so Wally doesn't get it. So if you're sitting at home on a Sunday with your kids watching live sports, uh, great. I'd rather go out and watch the live sports myself with my family, okay? That, that's the biggest thing. We're lucky enough in Edmonton to have these live sports. We've had so many live sports in Edmonton uh, and Boston. It blows my mind. But the thing is, the Eskimos are blowing it. Uh, totally blowing it. Uh, I, I don't enjoy taking my family out to see the live sports anymore. There's nothing in it for me to take my kids to see an Eskimos game. There's there's no pre-show. There's no after-show. My 12-year-old, my 8-year-old does not care about a ticket. They brought they brought Flo. Okay, hold on. They brought Flo Rider for halftime. He's one of the biggest acts in in the world, as far as I know. Come on now, you know they have they have fireworks after the game. They've had bands before the game. No, no. You know what they need to do? They need to shut down the street. They need to get the tents out. They need to. They need to get back into the schools. They need to get the city involved. Where's the city? Why, why is the city not involved anymore with Eskimos? Where was the co-promotion during, say, uh, Taste of Edmonton? 
uh, you, uh, here's the case. Uh, uh, let's let's get something on the go here. Uh, the old uh, K days. Uh, uh, come on, right? Uh, there is uh, the bureaucracy in the cities uh, blows my mind. All right, vacant man. I gave I gave you two minutes, buddy. I appreciate your call. We got a break for the news. Jack Michaels from Pittsburgh coming up next. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on six thirty, Chad.